0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: I also don't want to be the person to tell other people that flying or driving is bad because then I make that whole topic something very uncomfortable. And I think that's the stupidest thing we can do when we want to achieve more sustainable lifestyles is to tell other people that what they're doing is bad because they're going to feel bad and then they're going to, I don't know, I think it should be something positive.
2: Welcome to the Adventure Podcast and this episode with Anna Zerner. Anna grew up in Germany, and after finishing school, studied Islamic and political science in Berlin. She dropped out fairly sharpish to study film and then later theatre directing, before going on to be a highly successful theatre director. She left it all behind in 2017 to spend more time in the natural world, and since then she's been a freelance author, mountaineer and mountain guide. She gives a number of lectures about her travels and sustainable living on the go, Anna is also vocal, in a very good way, about her views on living a life that causes a little bit less harm. Okay, over to Anna Zerner. So, as is always the case, I think it would just be great if you could please introduce yourself, tell me who you are and what you do, whatever that means to you. Okay.
1: Okay. So my name's Anna. I'm from Germany. I'm half American, as you might hear sometimes. Um, I'm a writer. I'm a mountain I I usually say I'm a mountain person because I don't like these words of mountaineer or something like that. Because I'm definitely not a mountaineer in, in the professional sense that people would think of it. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely a mountain person. I'm a writer. I do a lot of presentations. I'm a mountain guide. And yeah, basically I spent all the time that I can outside.
2: But that hasn't always been the case, has it?
1: No, it hasn't. I'm actually a a director, theater and film director by profession. That's what I studied for, for eight years and have my master's and all of that. And then um, mountains have always been something that I've done sort of on the side as a hobby. It's been what kept me safe and sane through... Many, many hours and and days and months in dark spaces of rehearsal places, or like on stressful movie sets, but um yeah, and then there was this summer where I finally decided to take the time to really, really spend more time in the mountains and more time in one piece, and I traversed the Alps from east to west, um which is. I started in Ljubljana in Slovenia and ended up in Grenoble in France and did that by myself, slept outside most nights. And that was kind of something that changed my life, not just in the, in like a mental way, but also because it gave me the chance to write a book about this trip, which wasn't something that I had planned. Um, And then that book became so successful that i was able to continue writing books and uh, then i was able to stop being in dark rehearsal spaces and be working way too much for way too little money so yeah that's basically the the short version
2: (laughs) and you've hinted at it there obviously but what was it that made you decide to drift away from theater and dark rehearsal spaces
1: well, that's the funny thing. It wasn't ever really a decision that I made. It was more something that happened and that's what I like about it because it was so smooth, you know, I I feel very privileged and lucky that it happened that way because I think a lot of people have the dream of like making their hobby, for example, the mountains, a profession. And for me, that was never a dream of mine at all. Like I, I always liked going there, but I never wanted to make it a profession. So what I was hinting at in the sense of that it happened to me is that I, about this, about this trip through the Alps, I started writing a blog, which I had never done before, but, and I basically did it not to have like a lot of readers, but because I, I always say, because I didn't want to call my parents all the time. (laughs) I was like, yeah, you know, like if anybody wants to know what I'm doing, then they can just go on the website and read what I did. And, on the way, I realized that this daily writing, because I was by myself, this daily writing became something really fulfilling to me, and apparently that was also working to the outside. So other people apparently enjoyed reading what I wrote, and then the blog started taking off, and I didn't even notice because I, was, I just had my phone and I had like this little keyboard, but I didn't really look at numbers because I don't really care about numbers. And um, then this publishing company emailed me and I thought it was spam. Actually, it wasn't the publishing company. It was a literary agent. They said, hey, we like how you write. You want to write a book? And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then they wrote again because I think I deleted the email or something. And yeah, and then I was like, okay, if they think that I can do that, then I guess I'll try. And because I had already taken the liking to writing, um, that made it a lot easier. And Yeah, a year later, that book came out and half a year later, it was a bestseller. And then everything started falling into place from there or falling out of place, I guess.
2: So had it ever occurred to you before that you might be a writer?
1: No, no. The only things that I had written up until then, apart from like occasional diary, were um, applications for financial funding for my cultural projects. (laughs) So no, not at all. No, really. I mean... I always liked reading and of course, because of all my theater stuff that I did, I have an idea of dramaturgy and I like, I like words and I've always liked expressing myself in a way and also listening to people who are really good at expressing themselves. So yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not like a total surprise, but the right becoming a writer no, that was never anywhere on my mind.
2: And I know it's, um, well, it's sort of a tangent, but, you know, you, you walked the Alps from east to west. What was it that made you pick something so large in scale? And what was, you know, you obviously you were involved in the mountains before, a mountain yeah. person, but was it a difficult transition?
1: No. Uh, no, because I had before I had done stuff like that but in a very much smaller scale so I had spent nights outside by myself not just because I liked being by myself I think that was something that kind of came through my projects later but because most of my friends were obviously like film and theater people and a lot of them have a different lifestyle in the sense of they yeah I guess a lot of them prefer to party and sleep in. And I was always somebody like to get up early. Um, And, and yeah, of course, I think it is different for everyone. And I would never have thought that the, that what happened to me by being outside for so long in comparison to what I had done before, which usually was like two days, three days, maybe a week. um, But that two months by myself in these all these different landscapes, because the Alps are very, very different in different places, um, the challenges—not just physically but mentally—sometimes um, all of that changed me in a way. I think that would have made it also would have made it really hard to go back to the profession that I had before, because I realized a lot of things about how not just i was treated in that profession but generally how performing arts are treated <laughs> even in a in a very wealthy and rich society with a huge cultural life like in germany where i live um, that and also a lot of other things because i had i chose these topics uh yeah this might sound funny Um, I divided the trip this Alps trip up into um, nine stages and each stage had a different topic I gave those topics to those stages before I started which is something that I think comes from my theatrical brain that I need to like because I was like I want to have something to think about because I'm by myself so I want to have in addition to like all the challenges on the way, I want to have like a topic. So I chose topics that I had always wanted to think about, but never really had the time to. For example, it was big things like, like honesty or um, vanity or whatever, like different topics. And then the funny thing is that while I was out there, I realized how those topics really matched the specific phases of my trip, but also the landscape. And I had chosen some of those topics, for example, the Dolomites, right? The Dolomites, I think a lot of people have an image of the Dolomites in their head. It's these really, really massive, um, very rocky foundations in the Alps. Um, the Dolomites had the topic, the face through the Dolomites had the topic honesty. And that's because I chose that topic, one, because I wanted to think about honesty and about how honest I am, how honest society is, whatever but also because I felt that the Dolomites were very honest mountains to me. Mountains always have kind of a personality and the Dolomites are definitely honest mountains. And while I was there, that proved to be so right. I went to places that I hadn't been before, like none of the places where I was, I had been before on that trip, but like walking through honesty, thinking about honesty, is something that just like inevitably makes you a more honest person. I wouldn't say that I stayed that honest person for until now because I mean that trip was in 2017. Of course, those effects start to vanish unfortunately, but even just that time and the impression of all this honesty and all this topic definitely changed me for sure. And that's yeah, I'm I'm so grateful for these experiences.
2: I could do a whole podcast on just the nine topics. Can you remember what they were? Or is that too?
1: Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so the first one, I'm, I'm going to take my book out because it's been so long. So I don't make a mistake. Let me see. So, yeah, the first one, oh yeah, the first one was rhythm. That's also it sounds so simple. And I chose that as a first topic because I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to find my rhythm and so on. So, the, yeah, the first one was t- was rhythm. And then I realized that it's not at all easy to find the rhythm when you know that you have two months ahead of you. Um, but, yeah, I mean, of course, we could dive into all of these topics, but that's what I wrote a book about. So, <laughs> um, yeah. And then the, the second one was breathing. Um, and I think in German, Atman has the word breathing. Atman in German has kind of a m- wider meaning in a sense because... Well, I guess it could work in English too. Like breathing like, is something that gives you space, gives life and so on. So it was breathing not just in the physical sense, but also in the a bit wider sense. Um, then the third one was, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was honesty in the Dolomites. And then it's funny because it's not so easy to translate those words. The The fourth one is aufgeschlossenheit, which if you translate it directly it means unlockedness so someone who is unlocked is somebody who is very genuine who's but you have this double meaning of like the lock that is being unlocked and then you are that person or that that's a a state of mind i guess that you could reach that you could achieve um, so yeah aufgeschlossenheit and then, ah, the next one's similar, it's um, entfaltung. Entfaltung is unfolding, um, and that's something that we say, like, for example, a child unfolds. Uh, a child unfolds in the sense of it, it develops certain things, it discovers things. Um, so entfaltung is definitely not just unfolding a blanket or something, but it also has this more metaphorical meaning. Um, then there was dialogue, um, which, yeah, I guess you could say it was like a dialogue with myself, a dialogue with nature. And I was thinking about what it's like to have dialogues with people. And in that stage, I also had at least one very, very nice dialogue with a person that I met. Um, then patience, definitely something that I don't have a lot of. Um, which has been good to me, but also, yeah, annoys the shit out of me sometimes that I'm not patient enough and it's something that I would like to learn. Um, Then there is Bescheidenheit, which is um, humbleness. I really like the English word humble. I think it's much nicer than Bescheidenheit. Bescheidenheit sounds so harsh. Um, So, yeah, humble, just in the sense of how the word sounds. I mean... To be humble, mountain, like true mountain people are humble. Somebody like Conrad Anker is humble, you know? Um, And that's definitely something that, like, we could also talk about that for a very long time, because I find that that's something that's being lost a lot in people who go to the mountains these days, because a lot of times uh, they don't think about the mountain, but the, what they do in the mountain is more important than the mountain. And that just, that's just never a good idea.
2: Do you think at risk of drift, uh, not at risk, I'm deliberately trying to, um, (laughs) pushing us down a big philosophical tunnel, is it really being lost or is that just what we see online? And, you know.
1: Oh, good question. I mean, the problem, uh, I could throw the question back to you because is what we see online a representation of what's happening?
2: Well, I mean yeah, of yeah, course that's how
1: people like to sell themselves on Instagram.
2: But isn't that the point? Isn't it aren't those who are selling themselves, of which I am probably one, I should yeah, disclaim. Too. Yeah, by nature are looking to make big statements and to and to make themselves look well, not big and brave, but like we're achieving something. I mean, I know a lot of people who are mountaineers, alpinists, climbers who don't even have social media and they're just quietly getting stuff done, quietly ticking things off. But
1: wait, is that a contradiction? I mean, can't we want to achieve something? I mean, I think we can, we all have egos and I don't think that it's necessarily wrong and it's not even necessarily wrong to talk about it um, or to post. I mean, I love posting beautiful pictures of mountains on Instagram. And of course, I either I want people to see that I'm in, like, if I'm in the picture, I want people to see that I was there. If I post the picture, I want people to assume, and that's usually the case, that I was there and that I experienced that. And so yeah, of course, it's also about me. But I think the question is about when you are there, what's important? Because I've I've gotten this question a lot where people are like, so, but like, how can you, how can you even focus on the mountains if you're like taking pictures or posting on Instagram? And then I'm like, but wait, taking a picture takes a second. Writing a caption. Yeah. Sometimes takes me a little longer now. It used to be, I used to be much more careless, but still like, even if it's a post a day, there's still like 23.5 hours to be spending there. So I think it's a matter of balance. But I also think that the thing that I was referring to um, with this, that it's more about the ego than about the mountain is that it seems to me that many people are mistaking the mountain for a gym and I think everybody has the right to do whatever they want. And of course there's this right to roam philosophy. But I just it's more that I pity them a little bit because I'm like, wait, but now if you're running and running and running, if you would stop and look around, you would take from it so much more than physical fitness.
2: Well, isn't that yeah, that's something I've I've spoken to somebody about this before. I mean, I have been historically a slave to my running watch and actually yep. I have a rule now, but if, but my rule and it works so well for me as almost like an exercise in how's my head or checking in is if I stop to take a photograph or stop to throw a stick for the dog, do I stop my watch? And if I'm stopping (laughs) my watch to do those things, firstly, that's cheating. And secondly, why do I need to, like, who am I trying to prove it to? And so now I have a rule. I mean, often now I go running without the watch, which is, you know, I, I see that as progress. (laughs) But
1: <laughs> that's very brave of you. <laughs> it is it in the modern the world. Brave. It's like leaving your phone at home is the new brave. Yeah. But I mean it in a way it truly is and that might sound sad but it is. I mean I don't exclude myself from that. We that's the world we live in. It's not like we can't we can't just judge it and say all of that is bad. It's the world we live in. Like like you said, we both use social media. It's not it's not about the, all of this stuff being bad. I think it's about being conscious of how we deal with it, I guess.
2: I think it's we're drifting into dangerous territory in terms of rabbit holes, but I think it's knowing when to switch it off. No, Are you able to? Is one able to just leave it on the desk and say, I'm going out in the woods now?
1: And can they still enjoy it? I think yeah. that's where it gets really dangerous. Um, if you're not able to, yeah, to appreciate nature, if you're not measuring it or something. uh,
2: But so that I was going to ask you this much later in this conversation, but now feels like the time, um, you went on your long Alpine journey as the first thing you went to do and you didn't intend to write about it, but you did blog and that turned into something and then you became a writer then that was a bestseller so then have subsequent journeys felt like work because you knew that you were going to write about them
1: of course I mean yeah but that doesn't mean that I don't love my work
2: (laughs) but has that changed the experience
1: yeah probably um but not necessarily to the worse I think I mean So what I did after, like the summer after I did the Alps, I traversed the Pyrenees from the Mediterranean to the Atlantic. And that project I did without writing a book about it. I did do social media and I used the trip to talk about a topic that is very important to me, which is um, how can we reduce our waste? And so I, I actually made a conscious decision of making that trip about... I had this personal challenge that I would collect all the trash that I find along the way, no matter how big, um, and that I would produce as little as at all possible of my own waste, waste in the sense of not human waste, but like trash, right? And that led to some very funny stories. And it made it possible to talk about the topic in a way that is not just reduce, reduce, recycle, but more than that. And I have to say that because I was able to turn this being outside into a profession, I was also able to fulfill this need that I have that I was sort of soothing by making political theater projects or film projects. I want to do something. I want to be – like I want to – yeah to like do my part of making the world a better place if you want to say it like that, because I feel that it's necessary, and I feel it's my responsibility. I'm such a privileged person. I have the energy, I have the means to 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 use what I have to raise awareness for certain topics. and I want to do that. And making my outdoor projects a profession, made it possible for me to do that on a bigger scale. And that's why even the fact that I'm doing it as a job. Yeah. It's very, it's, it, yeah, I, I like it. I think it's, it gives me, it gives me more chances to do it in a meaningful way. And then, I mean, I did, uh, I did this trip with the Colorado river. I don't know how much you know about this, the, the project that I did, but like, I, I paddled the Colorado River all the way from its from its source in the Rocky Mountains to the Sea of Cortez in Mexico, and you see so much along the way, especially with regards to the topic of climate change, that if I would have done this trip without talking about that topic publicly, that would have felt like a loss. That would have like it's almost as if that became my my watch. You know, like my fitness watch, I need to be able to do something with the projects that I do, apart from just saying it was beautiful.
0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: So deliberately difficult question asked with kindness. Is there not a danger that we start to justify our own trips and experiences by planning them under the banner of awareness?
1: Oh, I think there is, but is that a really, really bad banner?
2: I don't know. I think about it a lot personally because I, I, you know, I, I go to Greenland, whatever, to go and make a film and mm-hmm. I have to fly there, really. You know, I could sail, but I'm not going to. And, you should
1: sail um, and make it a project and talk about it.
2: Yeah, of course. <laughs> but then then I've got the family and all oh, that yeah. stuff that I've got yeah. easy excuses, right? Easy get outs yeah. that are so, so easy to do, but I can say, yeah, yeah, but I'm raising awareness of what's changing in Greenland. So I get to go. But what yeah. about the people that aren't making films or writing books?
1: Yeah. No, I agree. That's a I, I'm I've I've started to think about that too, because it's it's also easy for me to say, yeah, why don't you just sail there and make a project out of it? That is not going to make everybody else sail there because it's just not what's possible these days. So you're right. It's probably an issue or could be an issue what i would strive to do personally in my project is that i want to stay tr- and i think in the scale that i'm working that's possible um i want to stay true to myself in that sense like last summer i did the a traverse of the Caucasus, the great Caucasus mountains I was already pregnant when I did it, which made it a whole different project, but that's another topic. Um, but I went there by bus and it took three days and it wasn't easy, partly because I was pregnant. Um, but, and it wasn't just about it, definitely, I can say that honest to God, it wasn't just about publicly saying, Hey, I'm taking the bus. It was because I don't want to fly. I just don't want to be part of that. And I'm not judging anybody else who does, but I personally, I just don't want to anymore. And I, I'm not saying I, I've done that all my life because I haven't. I've, I, I, I Even to the, US, to the Colorado River trip, right? I flew there, but that was, I, I consciously after that project, I made a decision for that to be my last flight. And I'm not even saying that that won't change again within the next 10 years, but right now, I just don't want to. So, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I want to stay true to myself in that sense. And that means that it's not just something that I do publicly, but also now when, I'm, when I have presentations, I live in the south of Germany. If I have a presentation in Hamburg, I'm not going to fly there and I'm not going to drive there. I'm going to take a train and it's possible. And I'm not going to publicly talk about how I'm taking a train because I think it's going to get boring. you know. Like, but that's just how I do it. And I think that's, I think that's a key thing that it's like this, it's mental hygiene. Like, do we stay, do we only talk about it or do we really, is that how we live?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, that's authenticity, right? As in self-authenticity, real authenticity is how do we live when we know nobody's watching? Right. And And also
1: can we be honest about the mistakes that we make? Like I have a little baby now and no, I'm not using... Just uh, disp- uh, the I'm, I'm using disposable diapers. Okay, yes, I am because of all the reasons that anybody who has changed many many diapers knows. And I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm not infallible. I'm I'm not complete in, at all. I try in certain areas to do what I can, and I try to be honest about that. And then in other areas, I'm too lazy for it, or I'm too comfortable, or whatever. And I think that's part of it. Sorry, but I interrupted you, I think.
2: No, 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 not at all. I, I'm i just fascinated by all of this stuff. And it's stuff I think about a lot on my own, often when walking in the woods with my daughter. And I'm interested as to whether or not you struggle with it. Like, do you find, you know, I'm not going to fly and therefore that's good. I'm not going to eat this. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to drive do you ever struggle with the challenge of it all? And they don't want to go down the with the challenge that we all face, but yeah, you know what I mean?
1: Of course, especially when it comes to, um, doing something like that together with somebody else, because sometimes like, I don't know, I wrote a book with my dad. It's a book about a completely different topic. We talk about our grandmothers, um, our Jewish grandmothers from Vienna. Um, And we're on a book tour and my dad wants to drive and I don't. And that's when it starts to be a problem sort of because it doesn't really make sense for me to take a train while my dad's driving, (laughs) you know, like then I could also just drive with him. Um, I can try to convince him otherwise, but I also made it, I also don't want to be the person to tell other people that flying or driving is bad because then I make that whole topic something very uncomfortable and I think that's the stupidest thing we can do when we want to achieve more sustainable lifestyles is to tell other people that what they're doing is bad because they're going to feel bad and then they're going to I don't know I think it should be something positive and if we want it to be something positive then we need to talk about it in a positive way and not in the sense of yeah prohibiting something so yeah, it is that's difficult. Then of course the struggle with myself, like the topic of the diapers that I was talking about, you know. Where am I? Where is it my own personal comfort where I say, of course, I could make more of an effort and then it could be better. And of course it could be always
2: it's tough. All of the things like that are tough. I mean, I'm not gonna go into the detail of this because people do not want to hear this in detail, but You know, we use a certain brand during the day and a certain brand at night because the eco-friendly ones in big inverted commas (laughs) don't work as well. And so at night, I don't want to be getting up at 3 a.m. to change the bedding in the, you know, and it's just nothing is simple. My point is it's never simple. It's all difficult.
1: It's all difficult. But then again, seriously, what are we talking about? Difficult? Like if we put that into perspective, it's a fucking joke. I mean, like the times we live in right now and so on, like that's, that's, I think that is, that is one of my biggest challenges I would say, because the decisions that I take and the small steps that I take, if you put that into perspective of a bigger picture, which is something that I'm sure you and everybody does every now and then, then it's like, hell, I mean, we're, we're talking about changing diapers. And then right now in the, in Ukraine I don't know. I'm thinking about women who don't, who are not able to change their baby's diapers because they've been walking because they've been fleeing. Oh, you know, like, and then, and then suddenly you feel so, I feel so shit about even just thinking about my problem.
2: But that, but we have to, we have to be able to have our own problems. Right. And also, oh yeah, for sure. It's such a, I, yeah,
1: I agree. I agree a hundred percent. I think, I think it's, it's, it's a similar thing. It's like, we have to be conscious of the big picture, but we still need to we still need to be able to have a problem. Just like it makes no sense to tell a kid finish your plate because the ch- poor children in Africa don't have anything to eat. That's bullshit because they don't have that perspective, and it's also not going to help a child in Africa if your kid doesn't finish their plate. So, no. um, yeah, it's a it's the balance as always.
2: It's a tough balance, though, isn't it? Because there's so many different things to
1: combat and fight for. Impossible balance, (laughs) but it's—I guess maybe maybe balance is the wrong way. Maybe we just have to say it's the reality.
2: Yeah, and this, you know, I think it can sound quite pessimistic or quite damning or dangerous. These conversations, but I don't. It doesn't do that to me. I think, like, just the fact that we're thinking about it. You know, we know what we know now. And we have the capacity to fix as much as we can fix. I'm not a scientist. I don't know the answers, but I don't know. I'm not going to get on my soapbox too much. I just think that apathy scares me more than anything. And I think that when I meet people who really care, I don't need them to be perfect. I don't need them to all be vegans who don't fly, who live in caves and try to not breathe too much oxygen. Mm -hmm. I just need them to be purposeful and trying. And maybe I'm naive...
1: No, I agree with you. It's it's about being conscious of things and, and trying what you can within your own fri- framework. And if you have a public audience, trying to inspire others to do what they can do. Yeah. Because that's all we can do, really. I mean, we can't we can't all become uh, médecins sans frontières. Or, I don't know, we can't all dedicate our entire life to, to change we can dedicate part of it. And I think if we're public people, then that's, I, I would think that that's part of my responsibility with the little bit of public that I have that I do that.
2: Yeah, and I'm really picking on you in this conversation. Normally I just ask, but you know, it's much simpler, but um, why, you know, you could just stay in Germany now with your daughter and your boyfriend and you could grow vegetables and you could write books about that. Why do you need to travel and why do we need adventure?
1: Because I want to like egoistically speaking, which is not, I think a bad thing. I want to see the world. I want to travel. I am t- way too curious to see other places. And I'm not saying that it's not really really beautiful where i am right now like i'm looking out the window here into this massive rock face and it's amazing and i wish you could see what i'm seeing there's still some snow there and it's like endless opportunities for like smaller and bigger tours and i can basically walk there so it's it's luxury right and still i want to travel and still i want to see other places and it's because i'm curious it's because that's who i am that's how i was raised and then there's this other part, which I mean, you, you might, or I might even say that that's sort of a justification in a moral way, but I actually do believe that in general, people who travel are able to open their minds, and if you open your mind, then it's easier for you to be a tolerant person. If you're a tolerant person, then it's easier for you to include others if you can include others, then it's, you, you know, and so on. So <laughs> simply said, I would say that traveling has the potential of making people better.
2: Yeah, I um, completely agree with you. Oh, hundred percent. It doesn't matter how
1: far you travel so much.
2: Exactly. And maybe what we need to do is start looking at traveling more slowly.
1: Yeah. I, I that's like a hundred percent. Like that's for me, this whole, like not flying, for example, with the, like taking a bus to the Caucasus. I don't like I it's not just that I like this mode of travel because I save CO2, but I finally get a sense of distances again. And it's so cool. Like imagine like if you in the UK you wanna, I don't know, go to Spain. It takes like you need to take a boat, you need to <laughs> or go through a tunnel or whatever. There's so many different Aspects of traveling that you totally lose out if you get on a plane because you get on a plane, you get out x hours later, and it's like you never left. Airplanes, air air airports look the same everywhere. If you get into the bus station in 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 the south of Germany and you get off the bus station for the first time in Sofia in Bulgaria, you look around and you're definitely in a different world, and it's only been I don't know 13 hours on the bus um and it's not just that it's also that you see how cultures are changing how people are changing you actually get a sense for actual distance and it's made me think about this this romantic but beautiful uh, saying by indigenous people in the US i think that's where it's from that like it's this thing when you fly the soul can't follow because it's too fast a way of traveling That's amazing. I like that. It's cute. It's like, it's not just cute. It's actually pretty wise because it's when I travel over land then that sentence suddenly starts to make sense. Yeah. I I arrive in Georgia and I'm like, wow. Yeah. I'm really far away from home now.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's also, I completely agree. And it's also the, um, when you fly, you miss the places in between, you know, buses have to refuel and trains. You have to change eight times, but when all you're faced with is Starbucks and McDonald's and Burger King in the airports, or even, you know, a nice little airport restaurant. Yeah. It's still just sanitary, you know, it's
1: yeah. Yeah.
2: um, Yeah.
1: And now, you know what most, uh, not most people, but many people now maybe will say or think, yeah, but I don't have the time to travel like that. And to them, I would like to say it's a matter of how you define traveling. Because if you define traveling as, I mean, it's called traveling. It's not being in Greece. It's traveling. So traveling, part of traveling is the traveling, right? So if you really make, like if you have a week, and that's like insane, okay? If you have a week, and you want to go to Greece, and it takes you two days or three days to get to Greece, and the same amount to get back, then you're only going to be there for two or three days. But everything that you experience on the way is going to be totally worth it. And yeah. the dip into the ocean is going to be even better <laughs> after many hours on the bus.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it's also, it's very, yeah. And I'm really conscious of, you know, two very well-traveled people having this conversation. But equally, it's like, how far do we really need to go to have an amazing experience? And, you know, there's obviously yeah. where, you know, I live in the, in the countryside in Southeast England And I went for a walk this morning in somewhere I could only hear birdsong, you know, but also I can get to cliffs easily. I can get to mountains easily. But if we need some summer sun because we live in England, it's not that hard to get to France, really.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, I don't need to go to Marbella or South Africa. And then when we do, you know, let's go for two weeks. Let's let's wait a year. And, you know, people only have however many days holiday a year, 21, whatever it is. Um, that doesn't mean it's not doable,
1: yeah, I agree, and I think it's also it might be more of an experience to save up on vacation days and then have one big vacation instead of many small ones, but I mean, again, it's one of those things, like who am I to judge? you know, like my life consists of like not right now, but um, before the birth of my daughter, consisted of traveling mostly. I've never really been in stationary for many months. So,
2: but then I uh, will.
1: That's not possible, and I know that. Yeah.
2: No, and we're covering lots of topics here, but I think we're allowed an opinion. We just have to be conscious of w- our own position within that, yeah. you know, the yeah. confines of that opinion. But equally, I think if people want to challenge it, they're very, very welcome to. They just have to do it kindly, and you know, I get yeah. a lot of emails to this podcast saying I disagree with that thing that so and so said, or yeah, and that's fine, like great, you know,
1: yeah,
2: that's the opposite of apathy. So oh, yeah. send send the email, yeah, <laughs> you know,
1: but. and it's also a matter of, of of a matter of, I guess, what's important to you. I I have friends, and I totally understand it, and I can even relate to it, who have a sense of. They want to have a certain amount of safety, for example, in their life, like financial stability, for example. And I've just never been that person. I don't have financial stability in my life. And that's also like you need to... I think the people who 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 say, yeah, but I guess you can do that because you're rich or whatever. I'm not rich at all. Like, I just don't mind the risks so much. And I think sometimes... It's also important to to stress that the lifestyle that comes with being an outdoor professional of whatever sense um, doesn't necessarily mean that you work less. It doesn't mean that you sit at a computer less even. It doesn't mean that you're rich necessarily. So there are so many... Yeah, I mean, it, it could mean that you don't see your friends a lot because you always travel. It could mean that you don't see your family. It could mean that you miss, I don't know, a fam a new family member being born somewhere around the siblings. Or, you you know, there are so many aspects that people don't consider because this lifestyle. And I mean, I know the emails that you're talking about because I, I get them too sometimes. Um, people just see what we post. So they see us in this awesome freestyle life outdoors um, wearing fancy sponsored clothes or whatever. They don't necessarily consider because we don't tell them that it's really hard work sometimes. And I mean, I think you do, you make films, right? So you yeah. how many, how many hours do you spend editing at home? You know,
2: for, well, yeah, and I have a full-time staff team. So I'm also, and I have somebody who's head of production, but I'm managing cash flow. You know, we're we're always yeah. thinking about, you know, it's a business, right? Like, yeah, yeah I do the, ed- and the editing takes a lot of time. And so does the running of the business. And so does finding work. And so does yeah. pitching for that work and client liaison and all the things I don't post on the internet because, yeah. you know, I'm not scared of saying they're not particularly fun. Like, I don't mind them. But if yeah. I was a billionaire, I'm not sure I'd do them.
1: Right, right.
2: I mean, I, I missed my daughter's first Christmas because I was offered a well-paid job and I needed the money. Yeah. And my wife and I made that call together. Yeah. And it was the right call, you know, with hindsight. I mean, she won't remember the first one, the second one. I'd be pretty sad if I missed that, but...
1: Yeah. I didn't yeah, get and my... that's... I think that's... It's important to talk about that stuff as well. Like... I've been following the climber, Shauna Coxie. I don't know yeah. you are. Yeah. Uh, and she's been like, I, I've loved her recent posts because she's pregnant and she's talking about what it's like to climb pregnant and how many judgmental emails she gets from people. And that's the same sort of thing. Like people don't, apparently, like, they they feel like they can judge somebody who's in who's like publicly doing stuff. Where maybe if they saw her in person, they wouldn't. First of all, and then also somebody like her who's so professional physically she's got like a really really good sense of her body I'm sure that's her profession so she's going to know what's good and she's like I found when I was in the Caucasus I thought like I found out that it's impossible physically impossible mentally impossible to step over boundaries while I was pregnant because there is the feeling of responsibility is so ingrained in my system that i wasn't able to go higher than i should have i just wasn't able to and i think if you if you have a sense of like physical if you're connected to your body which as an athlete usually you are um yeah then you are responsible by biology that's just and yeah of course i'm sure there are examples that prove the opposite or whatever but yeah. I don't know. This is, this is like what I just said, I guess it's like three different topics in one, but yeah.
2: Like <laughs> no, but I it's was, interesting. Like
1: I found it interesting that I, I did a post, sorry. Um, I just can't stop. Um, I did a post right before I gave birth, uh, where I showed my, my pregnant belly in a post. I've never had so many people unfollow me and I find that insane. I don't give a shit to be honest. But I find it insane because it means it proves the point of what do people want to see in me, in my profile. They don't want to see a woman who's pregnant and who's going to give birth. They don't want to see that. They want to see, I don't know, like whatever else I'm posting. And I'm not posting pictures of myself in a bikini on a mountaintop. That's not me. But, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that. (laughs) But how
2: does it make you feel?
1: Uh, I guess if I'm being totally honest, there's there's a part of me that says, wait, am I a different person now? Like, am I a different person in a negative sense? Where privately, personally, definitely I would answer, yes, I am, and that's a good thing. But in this public, professional sense, it's like, wait, am I worthless? All of a sudden, like is has my has my worth as a public figure dropped or something? And that does get me. And I find it shitty and scary that it does, but if I'm being perfectly honest, it does.
2: Well, and you're welcome to totally disagree with what I'm about to say, but one of the things I've really noticed is that it's totally different for men and women when you have become parents because of course it almost seems like professionally I no one cares that I'm a dad right I can just yeah. carry on being Matt the adventure filmmaker yeah whereas for women you have to become a mom you know as yeah. part of your work and part of the narrative it's like people expect it so then the audience I changes I would even go
1: further I would even go further and say if you posted a picture of yourself with kids you would probably have more followers because dads with little kids are so cute, especially adventure dads with kids. But moms, I ah, don't know.
2: <laughs> I get what you're saying, and it's like, yeah, you become you become the mum, right? And then the audience change. It out. It's yeah, it's bad.
1: Yeah, uh, I guess. I mean, we're 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 doing our part in talking about it, but I also don't want to be. I don't want to be a person who full time talks about what it's like to be a mom and an adventure person because I'm still me, you know. I'm still, I still like going outside and I'm looking forward to climbing again and hiking again and doing all that stuff again. I mean, my daughter is five weeks, so I can't physically can't really do that much yet. But I'm, I can't wait to go back outside. It's not like now I'm going to stay inside all the time and just be a mom. Of
2: but I course, think that changes
1: my life. But it's not a bad, yeah. Sorry.
2: No, 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 but that's, that's good in, it, in itself because it's, it's a wonderful thing when people say, you know, I've made huge sacrifices for my child and I've changed the person that I am and that's brilliant and I love it. But also that might fill a lot of people who haven't got kids yet with fear, if they want them, yeah. which obviously not everybody yeah. does. Whereas actually to hear I have a child and I am still me and I still do the things that make me me without my child and I do it guiltlessly, yeah. that's quite powerful. You know, I've well, had so many people say to me, you're really going to go on expedition again? Like dangle off skinny yeah, ropes yeah, on yeah. mountains? Like, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, I, I hate the idea of raising a child who doesn't see the authentic version of me as as their parent.
1: I agree. And at the same time, I would say that definitely my definition as an athlete or as as a writer or whatever you want to call me part of that definition has been Anna doing her solo thing because I've done all my things solo and I haven't had a photography crew or whatever. Um, And I know that that part of my life is over and not because I can't do that anymore. Physically, I probably could in a few years, I could organize it so that my daughter is well taken care of or the dad could be there, whatever, but I'm not solo anymore. And I'm sure that you would agree that if you go on an expedition now, it's a different feeling. You can still go. And I think it's important that you do, but it is a different feeling once you become a parent, no matter if you're a father or a mother, I think. And that is something that we also, that we can, that I would like to give credit to and say, Hey, I mean, yeah, that's a fact. And it doesn't make me, and I'm not going (laughs) to deny that, but it doesn't mean that I'm not able to do certain things still or again at some point.
2: So I'm I'm often wary of talking about the future. It's more interesting to talk about what has happened. But what is the plan now so that you can continue to be you?
1: <laughs> well, I'm in the lucky position that the writing part of me is something that is branching out in general and that has I mean, I've mentioned the book that I wrote together with my dad about um, our grandmothers and writing that book, I have been able to like get um, get an idea of a more literary style of writing. And I've really enjoyed it. And I would really, really like to go into that more. And that's entirely independent from me still wanting to do outdoor stuff and outdoor projects. But as a job, professionally, I could imagine, apart from continuing to write maybe about expeditions and something, I would like to write other books. Um, so that is like, and that is also a career that professionally is very child-friendly, I guess, because I'm, I work at home and I can take my time whenever I want to. Um, yeah, in, in addition to that, I think a lot of it but that's a different topic. It's about how how I split time with my boyfriend and he's very interested in being there for the kid as well. So like it's um yeah, I mean that's that's part of it. And then the future, I don't know. I mean, I think now, probably the next little while, um, I'll be exploring and doing expeditions around the house and they can be just as adventurous I guess if seen through the eyes of a little one who's discovering them for the first time and I'm really I'm actually really looking forward to that because I've done that a little bit with children of friends of mine and I've really enjoyed looking at a pine cone <laughs> you know? and um, I think it's going to be a combination like as long as she's not tall and big and strong enough to do expeditions with me which I hope that one time maybe she will be interested in. If not, then no. Um, but until then, it'll be a combination of little expeditions around the house and other little or short, shorter trips that I do by myself or with friends um, where she's not part of it. And then I look forward to coming home. So I think it's all about, again, the balance of yeah making it happen in a in a in a way that's good for everybody because if I'm not a happy mom then that's also not going to help her be a happy girl so I think it's yeah exactly it's the balance again
2: the balance hey <laughs> right I'll draw it to a close because we're over time but um I always ask people two questions at the end of every episode mm-hmm. so first what scares you
1: The judgment of other people, of myself, how other people judge me.
2: What brings you hope?
1: Conversations like this one, um, not just in a public way, but also, yeah, generally good dialogues, conversations on a small scale, but also like you could put that also on a bigger scale and say politically, if people start talking to each other again.
2: Amazing. Thank you very (laughs) much.
1: Thank you.
2: Thanks for listening. To stay up to date, you can follow along on Instagram at The Adventure Podcast. The podcast is hosted by Matt Pycroft and is produced and distributed by Ola O'Moree and Alex Hall. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at info at And if you're enjoying the podcast, or maybe even if you're not, then please do leave us a review on iTunes. They make it much easier for us to access a wider audience.